it's about being a good business person. Yeah. You know, you're running a business. I'm running a small business. You're running a small business. You are the head of that business. You're also the commodity of that business. So you have to understand that you have to run a good business so that my business is interested in doing business with your business. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And in episode 263, I sit down for part two of my chat with prolific. LA casting director Michael Donovan. In part two, Michael discusses the casting office as small business idea, responds to the contentious workshop issue. Drops knowledge bombs aplenty concerning actors as their own small businesses and delivers even more tips on the head game for your next meeting. All that, your listener questions and picks of the week all coming up in episode 263. Let's get right to it. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. It's now available in the iTunes App Store, and if you want to learn your lines, get off book for your auditions quickly, effectively, explore your character, make stronger choices, book the room, book the office, book the job, and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great features available in this newest version of Rehearsal, Rehearsal Pro, a groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Hey, Trev. Hey, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Life's good, you know. <laughs> Can't complain. Good, good. Good, man. So uh, episode 263, I'm really excited to listen to this interview with Michael Donovan. I haven't heard part two yet, but it sounds like it echoes a little bit of what we learned from Michael Kostroff in his, uh, he's a working actor for you who, many of you listening who may not uh, immediately recall. Uh, he's an actor that uh, runs a, a one night workshop, uh, very actor friendly pricing very actor-friendly pricing, and uh, it's all about just sort of getting your head right when you walk into the room, and even more so when you're waiting in the uh, the waiting room. So it sounds like that this interview with Michael Donovan echoes some of that. Is that is that right? Yeah, I would I would say it's it's it, there's you know there's a Venn diagram, if you will, and I think that the overlap is in the holistic approach because Michael's been an actor, a director, a casting director. Um, and, and therefore understands all the moving parts and, and, and that's how he looks at it. That's how we all need to look at it, you know, and, and we've obviously gotten that reminder several times, several dozen times on the <laughs> podcast. Right. Um, <clears throat> but you know, it's always, it's always great to have a reminder and always great to have a reminder from a particular point of view. So awesome. I'm very stoked, man. Well, before we jump into the meat of the episode, just a, a couple quick announcements. Number one, if you haven't heard the last episode, for whatever reason, uh, and uh, you are not in the know about the Artist's Way Inside Acting Creative Cluster that we have going on that started last week as of this uh, airing, uh, jump on into the membership and join us. We're going through Julia Cameron's creativity course, The Artist's Way. It's a 12-week self-guided program, but it's meant to be done on your own, but also with the accountability and support of other creative people. And I'm so, so loving uh, the fact that Grace Gordon, one of our longtime members, listeners, supporters, has stepped up to really facilitate guiding all of us who are interested through that course together, encouraging us to post once or twice a week about our discoveries with the morning pages, the artist dates, the weekly reading essays, and the weekly tasks. I went through it uh, a few months ago, I finished it a few months ago by myself. It took me that 16 weeks. I took my time with it. But man, is it a game changer. So really excited to be doing this with the, the community. So if you're not in there with us, uh, join us, please. Sign up as a member, hop into the membership, and look for the IAP Artist's Way Creative Cluster thread. 
and uh, check it out. And the second uh, quick announcement is that um, we got a really unexpected, nice little gift from a listener named Chris. I don't know if you remember this, AJ, but there was a while ago that uh, a listener named Chris wrote in and we were talking about, uh, you know, money issues. And um, we were talking about brown bagging our lunches and, you know, sort of spending less than you earn, you know, all, you know, tried and true methods for making it work on, uh, on you know, smaller incomes. And Chris wrote in with a with a sort of cold, hard reminder that uh, it is our mindset and our expectations and our emotional experience around abundance that really is what creates the future of our abundant you know financial life and he 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 reminded us in, in <laughs> without mincing words to man up and spend a few bucks on the expensive latte every once in a while, and we kind of pushed back. Or at least I did. I pushed back on him and said, like, well, yeah, you know, I get it, man, but it's money, too. And and then a few episodes later, several episodes later, I kind of had a change of heart. And I was like, you know what, Chris, you were right. Thank thank you, man, for that. I didn't mean to kind of come down kind of hard on that. And Chris heard it and then sent us uh, a Starbucks gift card, <laughs> which I thought was so cool, man. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Chris. Very, very cool. Uh, really appreciate your support, uh, your ear time. Very cool. Thank you, man. I love. I was like, "What? What is latte guy in the in the outline?" Like, yeah, why is, I, I, why is he out, a latte guy? Yeah, the, uh, the gift card. Him. Yeah, the gift card came from like a Starbucks address. Like it was, you know, done through the site, and so I couldn't reply to him directly without going through and looking up his old emails and stuff. And I was just sort of in the flow of doing a bunch of things. So I wanted to thank him on the air instead. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> I love it. Thank yeah. you, Chris. So you've got a couple things going on. Yeah, a couple of uh, on on tape auditions. And an upcoming uh, meeting, which I'm actually more excited to talk about than the auditions. Uh, uh, the auditions are, uh, you know, all, more stuff coming through New York, and therefore oh, cool. I, I get to I get to put myself on tape. And um, you know, that's it, it's always challenging, especially one of them is a musical theater audition, and I'm always like, oh my god, how am I going to make mm-hmm. this work with? music and singing live and and not having an accompanist uh to to kind of help me lay stuff down which is what I would do if I was putting myself on tape in in New York I would have my uh vocal teacher my voice teacher kind of helping me out by playing the piano uh, r- right behind the camera with me in front of the camera so w- w- you know when this happens I either have to find a friend who can lay down a track for me um pay somebody to lay down a track for me or just, you know, wing it or sing acapella or find something online, some kind of, um, you know, karaoke track. So it's always doing musical theater auditions on tape is 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 challenging. It presents this whole I mean, putting yourself on tape for anything is challenging, but it adds this whole other layer um, to make it to make it even more challenging. So and a, few, a few months ago, you shared a resource. It was like a, a person online. They have a website specifically dedicated to, to being an accompanist for the, this very thing for on-camera musical theater auditions. Do you remember the name of that website offhand? Uh, I believe it's called Audition Tracks. No, Piano Tracks with piano an tracks X. With an X, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll make sure yeah. to include that in the show notes for anybody listening. It's, um, I always forget his name, but he is the husband of a voice teacher that I had when I was in college. Cool. Um, so they, uh, he's got a great little little business doing what that. Is he, what does he charge for something like what you're – um, doing like if you were to hire him for this specifically, what would uh, what would you be looking at spending? Well, uh, just a few bucks. I mean, he's got a. What's cool is his website is already full of a ton of stuff. You know, he'll just lay down tracks from, um, you know, popular musicals and 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 sh- songs that get used for this kind of thing often. Uh, and so if you if you go onto his website very often, you'll just be like, oh, you can search or look up a musical and go, oh, uh, I, that's there's the song that I need, and then just buy that song, and it's like whatever three bucks or whatever. Oh, that's great. It is. That's great. Um, and then he will custom he'll do a custom recording for you if you get him the music uh, for like five dollars or something. He I mean he doesn't charge uh, a lot. And, wow, and five bucks uh, for a custom recording. Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, I I could be wrong, but it's I know it's not more than you know, seven, eight dollars. Wow. It's, it's very, it's very inexpensive. That's, so, that's amazing. Yeah. He's, it's, it's great. I mean, because you know, it, my voice, voice lessons often cost around a hundred dollars or more an hour. Right. Um, and that's kind of, you know, how long it would take to kind of get a, a good uh, self tape on tape. So it'd be like a hundred bucks, you know, to go into 
a room. Now you have a live accompanist. You have somebody there to watch the camera for you. You have somebody there to pull the trigger on the recording button for you. So there's, you know, you're getting a lot more than just a, a track when you when you have when you have somebody live in the room. Plus they can play with you and 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 sort of breathe the song with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's all of that. But um, but yeah, to 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 be able you know in a pinch. To be able to have somebody, you know, uh, lay down a track and yeah, it is a great resource. Thank you for pointing that out, Trev. So how are you going to handle this particular uh, musical theater audition on tape? Well, the issue, the biggest issue I have right now is I don't know what I'm going to sing. The role is requires probably a song I don't necessarily have in my book right now which is my own fault because I should. Um, it's the kind of role that I will play. It's a it's a sort of a bad guy in a book musical that is a baritone. Like I should have this song in my repertoire and I and I don't and that's that's on me. So uh, I got to find the song and then I'll figure it out from there. <clears throat> I have no idea. Okay. And when is it no when is it due? Ne- uh, next week, I think Monday. So I have a weekend basically okay. to to get it done, and um, it's well, basically what I'm going to be doing as soon as we're done recording this this year podcast is jumping back into into that. And is this this is for a New York thing, or this is here in LA, or it's where? at the good the Good Speed, which is a very famous um, musical theater. It's an opera house uh, in Connecticut, I think. Okay. Um, that is very famous because a lot of, a lot of like really well-known musicals have gotten their start there. Um, similar to like the La Jolla Playhouse in Southern California. Cool. Um, you know, places that, that are sort of known for either out of town tryouts of, of upcoming Broadway shows or just doing really, really good productions of, of, of a particular musical. And is this an original musical, a world premiere kind of thing? No, it's 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 Oklahoma by Roger oh, Hammerstein. Oh, cool! All right, yeah, it's a great Auditioning show. Auditioning for Judd. Cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And right. I'll, I guess I'll let people know what what song I land on. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Keep us posted. Tune into AJ's Twitter feed there. Uh, and how yeah. about this uh, upcoming commercial agent meeting? So I've talked about this on the podcast before, and 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 I, I'm going to steal a sentence from. Uh, our ghost host Ben White here. You know, I, I have I have released commercials energetically completely. Like I was not focused on them. I had a commercial agent for like two, three years, and and they dropped me. Um, they had a changing of the guard, and they just sort of like gave up, which is fine. I had maybe two callbacks in that whole time, and and zero bookings. So I just never considered myself having that that look. My manager has recently reconnected with a um, <clears throat> a commercial agent here in, in in LA, and I guess sent him my stuff. And he was like, you know, it's he's interesting. I'd love to like meet with him. So it's great because now I get to go in, and I'm I'm literally going to, even though this isn't a hundred percent true, it's true for me right now. I'm going to go in and say, yeah, I'm not really interested in commercials. My manager kind of talked me into this. <laughs> That's all awesome. meeting, you know, <laughs> that's like something just, they've never heard before. They'd be like, right? Oh, I'm going to meet this interesting actor. You walk in, you're like, eh, what's up? yeah, exactly. I'd rather and, talk and, about know, like burritos or <laughs> sports or it takes so much of the pressure off. Like I have nothing to lose. It's yeah. fantastic. But <clears throat> you know, I'm going to go in and be, I'll be high energy because I am high energy and commercials require high energy. And just be like, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, what would you see? I mean, maybe a beer commercial. I mean, I look like, I, I feel like the 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 bearded, not so attractive man who is booking all of these commercials lately. Um, and I'm not saying it's one guy. I'm saying it's a look. There's a look that is in so many commercials these days. The bearded, not so attractive guy. Um, uh, I feel like the the thing about that look is he's um, he's non threatening. In addition to being bearded and 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 not so good looking, I'm kind of threatening. I'm big. I'm imposing. I have deep set eyes, a very pronounced brow, and I just played a terrorist on NCIS LA. Like I I'm not gonna. I mean maybe you would buy beer from me. I maybe I I doubt you'd want to buy a car from a terrorist. I don't know. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk. And it's not for a couple of weeks. So 
there will be more to discuss. Hey, there. well, you never know, man. You never, you never know. Ethnic ambiguity is definitely in in commercials right now. That is true. Uh, and the that every, you're right. It's sort of every man, the bearded every man is is in. But so is like Midwestern. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's trends in commercials beyond that kind of thing, but. Uh, you never know, man. I mean, you could end up booking like a national spot for like Dos Equis, who has really unconventional ad campaigns. And you could be like the next most interesting, like that guy who plays that, who's the new, like most interesting man in the world, the like young version of the old guy. <laughs> the like, young version of does, the old guy. Does he look, but you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Does he look like a quote unquote commercial actor? Like, hell no. And yet, boom, he's probably making. Tons and tons of money. You know the guy for the – you know those Chevy spots that are running right now where it's like a couple people that are sort of like – they're like this guy. There's like this bearded sort of balding middle-aged guy and he's asking these – this panel of people who are not actors like what they'd like in a car. And then like the wall comes up and there's like a Chevy over there and they're like, wow, yeah. they get in the car. That bearded – that guy is with my agency. He's a commercial actor with my agency. He has made so much money on those commercials, like multiple, multiple, multiple six figures on those commercials. And I look at him wow. and I don't see a commercial actor. So, I mean, I don't even know what that means. I mean, I kind of <laughs> do, but like, I definitely would like, don't sell yourself short, man. Like you never know. You, yeah, like throw, you have throw convention out the window. You have such a specific look. And I, I hope that you're going to be eating your words in six months when you're on like two national campaigns running concurrently for like <laughs> from, from your mouth to God's ears. For, for Budweiser or All right, something. Bring it on, Dos Equis. All right. There it is. <laughs> bring it on. So you got you, – is this – did you book another voiceover gig? Is that what this is saying? Yeah. It I, just says voiceover gig. That's very vague. Uh-huh. I Details, please. I don't know how much I can say about it, to be honest. I, I didn't oh. sign an NDA or anything, but I, I, I'll be recording it on Monday. It's, it's a national campaign, but it's not like going to – it's not going to be anywhere that anybody's going to like – just come across it spontaneously listening to the radio or anything like that. I, I it's, I don't know how like visible it's going to be. I mean, I, I do, but like, <laughs> I, I can't say much about it. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to piece it together and uh, failing miserably, but excited to hear more about it later. <laughs> Hopefully in a week or two, I'll be able to tell you more. I mean, th- these guys, they turn the work around really, really fast. So it may be like up and running in, in a few weeks. This episode of Inside Acting is also brought to you by VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in a voiceover online class that'll help you book voiceover gigs like Trevor Alget. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. All right. And we've got a question from Kurt that we want to respond to on this episode. And Kurt writes in and says, Hi, guys. I recently packed up my life and moved from New Zealand to Australia to pursue a market with more acting opportunities. I scouted the local theaters and production companies before I came. And something that was a pleasant surprise was that the major professional theater company in the city seems to be open to cold calls from actors and other creatives who want to get involved. That's pretty cool. Kurtz uh, continues, I don't expect to be put on stage right away, but at the same time, I don't want to sell myself short to them and as a result be stuck volunteering in the box office forever or whatever the case may be because I didn't properly communicate to them what my goals are and what I want to work my way up to. So what's the best way for me to approach them? Uh, And then he goes on to say, should I just do it confidently, guns blazing with the mindset of being happy to accept any counteroffer as long as they know what my endgame is? Or do I risk turning them off if if I'm too presumptuous? So hmm, we've talked about this before, being pigeonholed, sort of showing up, you know, just wanting to get involved and ending up, you know, as the lighting designer for every single show. And people (laughs) just start to see you that way and they stop seeing you as an actor. So something we've talked about in the past, but we haven't revisited in a while. And we've got a couple years of experience under our belt at this point. Uh, hmm. I mean, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my cousin's uh, husband. I don't know what that makes him. My, cu- I don't know what that makes him like in terms of family <laughs> parlance. But br- brother-in-law, second brother-in-law. 
anyway, they've got a baby boy named Max. He's like six months old. And I was asking Steve, uh, my cousin's husband, I said, you know, like, what's, what's changed in your life? Obviously, you know, having a baby is a, is a big deal. So like, what's, what's different for you? And he said, you know what? The biggest thing is that I'm so much more patient in my personal life and so much less patient in my professional life. It's like, I come home and I have all the patience in the world for my kid, for my wife, for everything that goes on. Like I can just handle like screaming. I can handle, you know, shit and vomit everywhere. <laughs> I can handle it. <laughs> He's like, but I go into work and if somebody wants to waffle on something or they're unsure or they want to think about, I'm like, screw it. Like, give me an answer right now or we're done. He's like, I just, and he's like, and it's really actually helped my business a lot because I just get to the point so much faster. Wow. So I think that there's something to be taken away from that when it comes to Kurt's question about showing up to a theater company and saying, you know, like, I want to get involved. What do you guys need help with? But I'm also an actor. I, I'm of the mind at this phase in my life that you got to be really, really clear about what you are willing to and willing not to do. And I think setting those expectations and boundaries, putting them in place up front and not deviating from them uh, is is really, really important. So in this case, Kurt, maybe you're you know introducing yourself to the theater company. And you're saying, hey, I'm an actor. That's what I do. That's what I've invested my life training in, a lot of money and time in. That's my end game. I want to get involved with this theater company and I want to be an actor. I want to be on stage with your productions. I want to be involved with that aspect of production. Uh, what's the best way for me to serve you guys with that end in mind by, I don't know, six months, nine months, 12 months, less, more, whatever it is. I don't know if you would use those exact words, if that would be your exact approach, but the spirit of it being, this is what I want. This is what I'm after. I'm not willing to put up with any sort of bullshit beyond a certain time frame. So what can we do uh, for me to do that? But make it clear, I guess, that I'm here in in service of making this a better, faster, stronger, you know, more effective, more intuitive, authentic theater company. I, I totally agree. I, I wanted to say right off the bat when he was like, should I just go in guns blazing? Yes. <laughs> yes, you should, because – you know, my invitation to you would be to ask why the hesitation or what what's underneath the hesitation? You know, what what causes you, Kurt, to say like, oh, I don't know, and kind of be <clears throat> tentative, I guess would be the word. Uh, that's that's my that's my first question. And then the other thing is, you know, this is about you're not you're not. I guess the reminder is you're not building a relationship with a theater company. You can't build a, a relationship with a company. Um that's why we say build relationships, not networks. You can't build a relationship with a with a corporation. Uh, it's only in the United States where corporations are people, um, <clears throat> and as far as our politics goes. But I dig- but I digress. Um, you are going to be building a relationship with the individuals in that theater company. So find out who you vibe with. Find out who uh, are the decision makers. Um, See if you can get, you know, the artistic director, see if you can take him out, him or her out for a, for, for a coffee and, and pick, pick their brain, you know, and just say like, hey, I just wanted to like, you know, find out what the scene is like. Um, people are so, in my experience, so willing to support one another in the artistic community in that way and do it under the um, – <clears throat> The, the and it's not even really auspicious because it's 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 true for you. You just moved into this market. Do it under the 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 the, the idea that you're going to find out about the rest of the industry. You're not going to necessarily find out just about this theater company. You're going to ask questions about Australia in general. I, I don't know where you're at, Sydney, Melbourne. I know those are the pretty much the two biggest markets there, based on what I know. Um, but like, Hey, I would love to take you to coffee. I just got to, I just got to town and I'm interested in finding out about, you know, the theater scene at large, like what theater professional, what creative theater professional isn't going to want to sit down for half hour, hour, hour and a half to, to just talk about the, 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 the unique theater culture that they are entrenched in. Are you kidding me? You're giving them like probably one of the most fun opportunities to talk about what they love of, of potentially their entire week. They, they want to be able to talk about this, this kind of thing. 
So yeah, that that would be just my my advice, my reminder that you're building relationships with with individuals. And then once you've done that, then you have more knowledge. You know the lay of the land. You know how they think. You know a little bit more about that company. And from there, you can <clears throat> know if you vibe with their energy, and then decide. You know if you are going to you know, pursue. Uh, a working relationship with them wh- where you might, you know, get your start. And maybe the conversation organically evolves in that way. Hmm. I want to play devil's advocate just a little bit to what you just shared, AJ. And that is that uh, um, people are busy and sometimes coffee dates, like coffee, like asking somebody out to coffee for an hour, two hours of their time to basically ask for their expertise and their knowledge can sometimes be seen as a burden to that other person. Um, especially busy people, people who have a lot of things in their plate and who's not busy, you know, who, who, who isn't under some sort of deadline or doesn't have a million things they need to be doing, um, to sort of get to a happy place in their life to be complete with, with things that are meaningful to them. Sometimes asking them to take a huge chunk of time out of their day, can be a a big request. So my thing I would add to that is, who is it, Brian Tracy or Jim Rohn or one of those self-help guys, they say that uh, everybody's tuned into their favorite radio station, WIIFM, W-I-I-F-M, which stands for What's In It For Me. And I think that having that uh, mindset when you ask them to you know, do something pretty substantial, which is take two hours of their time to meet with a stranger to, to... offer it. I mean, yes, there's, there's an aspect of charity to it that I think people in the arts community are much more open to sort of providing, but also recognize that they've got to get something really substantial out of that transaction to make it worth their time. So think of what that might be. Um, do your research, uh, as much as possible. Use an app like refresh. I think it's called refresh, which, uh, allows you to sort of, uh, plug into people's, it's sort of an, an app that, that provides amalgamated, uh, summarized information of people's social media activity. And so you can get a feel for what they're interested in, uh, what they're talking about, um, what they like and don't like, what their political leanings are, things like that. So you have something to talk about. Some people are always flattered when you've done your research about them. And I would just sort of take that as much, that approach as much as possible. If you're going to make a, a fairly big ask, and ask them out to to coffee for a few hours. Um, do I, hmm, the only thing I would add to that is don't let it stop you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't let it stop um, you. Absolutely. Ask for what you want, but but know that that sometimes it can be a lot. Yes, and I was yeah. not suggesting a. I mean, it might take two hours for them to drive, you know, drive there and drive back. But I was not suggesting a a two, you know, a two hour. I think a two hour ask is right, a big right. ask for, for well, anyone. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got to consider like, yeah, commute time and time getting ready. And I mean, there's a whole like p- bunch of things that go into something like that. So I would say make it as easy and as as it's for them as possible. You know, obviously you're buying the meal. <laughs> I would ask them out to more than coffee. I would buy them a full lunch at a nice place. Um, you know, near not, the theater, <laughs> not just subway exactly near where they work or near where they live, go to them and have a, have a very specific set of questions and things you want to ask them about. And even if possible, send it to them in advance, just saying, these are the things I just wanted to, you know, take a little bit of your time to, to explore so that they can show up prepared. And it's not some sort of ambiguous chit chat session. Um, it'll just make, they, they will feel better. I guarantee about um, taking the time to to do that. If you show up and you're like, look, your time is valuable. My time is valuable. Let's make the best use possible of this time. And let, let me give you an awesome meal out of it at the very least. What's your favorite restaurant? That kind of thing. You know, make it, make it really uh, a win for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good approach. I would just say, yeah, I already said it. Just don't let it, don't let it keep you from going for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, Kurt. Well, hope that helps. Uh, thanks for hanging in there. You sent this question in a while ago, so we finally got to it. Uh, let us know what's the latest on it, please. Uh, chime in on the, the membership and uh, email us, call us, whatever. Let us know, and we'll be sure to update our listeners on how this is unfolding for you. That is all the time we have for part one, so let's jump into this interview, part two with Michael Donovan. Anything uh, you want to 
squeeze in here before we, we jump in? No, I think it speaks for itself. All right. Well, then, here we go. Part two of AJ's chat with prolific L.A. casting director Michael Donovan. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the other side. for the job um, we're not realizing that we're auditioning from several people so let's say you know for a theater job how many people are going to be behind that table four at least right behind yeah. that table okay great so to call back yeah. the musical there's right, the gonna twice be as many. exactly right okay so let's use the number four arbitrarily so are not each of those four people going to do easily another 50 jobs in their life mm-hmm. so you didn't audition for one job you just auditioned for 200 jobs right. That's the thing that you need to think about, too. So, yeah, it's not just this office, but all the people that this office brought in or are a part of for this project are also involved with a ton of other projects. So if you're always doing your work, if you're always leaving a favorable impression, you know, as somebody, this is a pro. You know, this is somebody who we clearly want to work with at some point. Then that will totally bear fruit over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 I want to ask you because we've had we've had a few, several casting directors come on the show. You mean I'm not the only one? That's it. I'm <clears throat> walking out. <laughs> Bye. We had Sheila Guthrie okay. on. Uh, mostly television casting director um, although she did cast uh, Heathers mm-hmm. which is where I met her. And one of the things that she said kind of changed the course of, well, A, my thinking about casting director offices and my relationship with them, but B, how to approach even interviewing future casting directors after her. And what she said was every casting director or every casting office is like a small business in that they're all run in their own particular way based on mm-hmm. the people that run it. Yep. And I remember thinking, like, holy crap, that means that there's never an answer, really, to so many different questions. For you as an actor, you mean? Right. For for us as an actor, asking, like, do you like postcards? I know. (laughs) Do you like to get emails from us? And so I feel like there's, I don't have a list, but I feel like there's this list of questions that are going to be different no matter who I ask them of. And so... Partly, I want to ask you then, so that some of our listeners are like, oh, if they're coming to Los Angeles, they know Michael Donovan hates postcards, loves postcards, whatever. Um, And partly just to just to kind of get your take on that whole small business, you know, idea. So yeah, um, we are each running a small business. Each one of us, and it's an independent business. And sometimes when we get together, we're kind of surprised to hear oh that's how you do that <laughs> um yeah. and uh and, and there I, is a casting society but it doesn't it doesn't mean that they regulate how you run your business no. so it's like and it's not like we run into each other a lot either because we're, we're working, working. In, independently yeah. you know so yeah. the only time we see each other as meetings and things like that i mean it's obviously some of us know each other personally but but i think a lot of it is uh there, CSA, the Casting Society of America, has a website, and once in a while, somebody will there's like a sort of a question thing, and like we'll ask, how how do you do this? And you get all these people writing, well, I do it this way, well, I do it this way, well, I do it this way, and it's like, oh, really? We do do it differently sometimes. So yeah, I'm sure it's so frustrating. Ca- ca- casting directors asking each other questions, yeah. not actors, oh, sure. not actors yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's, and that's it's great. like, and like, what do you charge for this, and what do you charge for that, and, and um, because even that, it's like the rates are sort of arbitrary. There's no like uh, like what's after equity where you have rates that are minimums we don't really have that we can it's all negotiable so it's all right. kind of whatever the market will will bear and and as you get much like an actor as you get more established as a cast member you rates go up you yeah know? so uh people kind of know what my rate minimums are and you know and once in a while, they'll come to me like somebody I know will say, I you know, don't have as much for this project. Will you do it for less? It's the same thing as an actor. It's yeah. very much like that. Yeah. Um, 
But so what I think that you have to do as an actor is I think you have to take copious notes. Uh, and I'm really serious about this. You should have something where as you go into an office, what was that experience like? And and write it down. So you know the next time when you go in, this office is very warm and friendly. This office is kind of just cool and business-like. Uh, um, you know, you find out this, this office hates postcards. You find out this office loves postcards. You find out that... Um, uh, there's there's so many different things as you go down the list. Uh, this office doesn't ask for pictures and resumes. This office always wants pictures and resumes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think if you keep track of that, then you have a sense of what to expect the next time that you go in. Even how does this casting director see me? This casting director always sees me as a thug. You know, this casting director mm. always sees me as you know the boy next door, or whatever. I mean, so that you have that too. Uh, if it's a musical theater piece, what did I sing for this uh, person the last time I was in? Is they are they you know going to expect that again? If mm. they're bringing me in, um, so uh, I think it, I also find that sometimes it has to do with the age of the casting director too. I think that. Um, in terms of uh, particularly with things like social media and emailing and stuff like that, um, I, I find that the younger people kind of want it, a lot of that, um, where I think the older people are still doing a little bit more old school. Um, you were asking about postcards specifically. I, I have an interesting take on postcards. Um, we used to get bins, those post office bins, those white plastic things yeah. every day. I mean, like at least one a day. I get a ton of mail, you know. But now that it's moved all online, I get, you know, a dozen pieces of mail a day. So I read them. <laughs> oh, the irony. So snail mail, to me, is smart. I mean, I think it's the way to go. Because it kind of stands up. Are you, does that mean you're getting hundreds of emails every day oh, yeah. from actors? Not from actors. <clears throat> uh, I don't like emails from actors, and I know maybe I'm in the minority there, but I'm getting hundreds of emails from business and stuff like that. So I don't have time to answer, you know, email questions and stuff like that a lot of times. And um, so I, I would rather hear from you snail mail, unless I know you personally. That's a, Then, of course, you can email me. But other yeah. than that, I'd rather you didn't, you know, if it's, a, if it's something that's really urgent, I will do my best. Uh, but I, I think a lot of us, you know, we have, you know, so much going on that it, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate. That's my opinion. But I think that the the regular mail thing now is a really interesting thought for actors. I mean, now look, some offices are still going to throw it out. Okay, so what? Yeah. Any kind of mass mailing. You know the return on any mass mail is 1% to 2%. Yeah. Right? So, yes. So if you sent out 50 postcards and you didn't get a response, well, you shouldn't have. You didn't send out enough. Yeah, you sent right. out 100, 100, you'll get you'll 1 get to 2 one responses. Response, yeah. Right, exactly. Okay. So it's the gamble that you take. And you know what the thing about it is? Even if they're throwing it out, they're probably just quickly sifting through it. They've seen your picture. That registers on some level mm. so that when it comes in as a regular submission, it's like I've somehow I've seen this before. Yeah. You know? And what I do for me is I, I see a ton of theater. Um, so invite me to the stuff that you're in. I'm not necessarily going to get there. I'll do my best. I can't see everything. But at least shows me that you're working. You know, it shows me that you're serious about your career so that when you are submitted for something else, oh, yeah, they're in such and such right now. I didn't mm-hmm. get to see it, but I heard it was good or I read a review or, or somebody I know saw it or Rishi, my associate, saw it, somebody, you know, whatever. And I think that that's it's just reminders that you're alive. And, and for you to, as an actor, man, to expect us to remember you is just coming from the, such a, a place of ego. It's just not possible to remember everybody. It's just not. You know, and and to also keep everybody in your head when you're casting a project. It would be great if we could do that, but that doesn't work that way either. So it, it's up to you to remind us that you're alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and interested. You know, virtually everything I do is on Actors Access, so actors can get to my projects pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no excuse for not doing it, and I, I get frustrated by the fact that mm. people aren't taking advantage of that, mm. so... It's 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 interesting because we have heard from certain casting directors that are like you know I have a mind like a steel trap and yeah. you know I'll remember you and I'm sure you have like your short stacks but it doesn't <clears throat> you know it yes it's, the... it, it's bizarre how many things we remember it's bizarre <laughs> okay but uh, but I will say to you that it's just you can't remember thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of actors every single time it's not going to happen yeah. you know I think that's just the wrong place to come from. So, you know, continue to build those relationships that you have. It's important to do that.
so on the same note of you know every casting director having a different experience and a different uh, opinion on on certain subject matters we just did a three after the uh, Hollywood Reporter article came out we did a three episode series on workshops uh, yeah actually it was more than that it was like six episodes mm-hmm. five or six episodes and so I'm curious to hear where you fall on the on the spectrum where you fall on the in the in the argument if you're uh, for against uh, neutral um, kind of what your your feelings are on it I'm very much for the workshops. I okay. think that they're much maligned. I think that, um, um, you know, this goes way back to when there was the hearing. I don't know how many years ago that was, the big state hearing. And I was one of the people who spoke at the hearing. And I believe there were 80 people who spoke at that hearing. And I think it was 72 spoke in favor of the workshops and eight spoke against. <laughs> it was like, I watched the judge's face going, why are we here? Oh, wow. You know, it was really interesting to watch that. Um uh, I agree that there are those people who basically, you know, are there to jump in and grab a couple of hundred bucks, whatever, and get out of there. And, you know, that's all they're there to do. And, and they're not teaching you anything. Yeah, there are some, but I think there are few and far between. And I think it is simply one of the many opportunities you have as an actor to get known in the business. And it's a, it's, it's a situation where there's a lot less pressure you know, you're not trying to get a job. You're trying to just, you know, build a relationship, trying to see what this cast director likes and doesn't like. And um, so, uh, you know, there are some now some very strict, strict rules for how these are run, uh, almost absurdly strict rules. We just had a meeting with the CSA uh, yeah. a couple months ago about yeah. that. And the CSA is not telling us that we have to follow. It's not the CSA's rules. They're just telling us what you know, is legally expected. And, and I think they've gotten to the point now where the workshops are, are dying because they can't match what is, you know, needed. And, and of course, cast and writers are starting to freak out and think maybe they shouldn't do them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is a real shame uh, because I've met a lot of really terrific actors by doing that. Um, and and as far as the paid audition, boy, that, that kind of really irritates me to hear that because I don't bring materials of show I don't bring materials from a show or movie or whatever I'm casting at the time to the workshop that's not what it's about you know um, anybody who's doing that I think shouldn't uh, it, it, they should be chastised they should be thrown out they, that, that, I agree with that but that's it's so I, I want to go too. So the casting director shouldn't be paid to be at that workshop that they came to, that they drove an hour to get to, and did preparation for, and then spent two or three hours with you, and then drive an hour home. They shouldn't be paid for their time. And by the way, we're not paid that much. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, you know, but it's not it's not a fortune by any means, you know. So yeah, it's a very touchy, sensitive subject, and uh, again. I will say to you what I said back at the hearing however many years ago. You know, you're big people. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. It's really that simple. It's like, you have a beef about it? Then don't do it. What's the problem? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I kind of feel that applies to both the casting directors and the actors. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, you know, I appreciate you speaking candidly about it since it is such a contentious subject. It seems to get people, you know, riled up. But I think actors need to be smart about their money, period. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, um, again, the bigger picture is, you know, uh, spend your money wisely. What what makes sense for you? What can you afford, you know? And uh, I think you should watch every penny. I really do. And do your research. Uh, there are still, you know, there are still some scams out there. Not too many anymore. It's kind of hard to do that now. <laughs> With so much exposure, you know, yeah, it's hard to get away with some shit. <laughs> yeah, it's. Re- I, I find that most of them tend to feel it when I when I find them myself. I tend to. It feels like they're they must be preying on the fresh off the bus yeah. from the Midwest person yep. who yep. is like trying to figure out how they get their start or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it yeah, it feels like you know you'd have to be really green to quote-unquote fall for it yep. um 
And, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, like, if we do one thing <laughs> with this podcast it, and all that one thing is just to, you know, uh, steer people in the right direction instead of, you know, off on off in the weeds like that, then we'll have done a good thing. But It's not just about just the business stuff, too. It's also about, my, excuse me, I always teach, I always say, if it feels icky, it probably is icky. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're in a situation where <clears throat> this just doesn't feel right for whatever that might be, get out. Get out immediately, you know, because there are those stories. And even along those lines, too, uh, even in situations that are not icky, using my famous word, um, sometimes it just doesn't feel like this, you know, this isn't for me. It's just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't respond to the material. I don't, I, I, I didn't like the way the director was, you know, directing me. I mean, there's so many things about it that just doesn't feel like it's right for you. That's also a reason to say yeah. to say no. I, can I give some advice? Um, when when you go on the first audition, if it didn't feel right for you, and you get a callback, turn down the callback. Yeah. But don't pass. Pass can be interpreted as offensive. Again, thinking big picture, you don't know who you're passing on, and pass can be like you know. You, I think your project is terrible, and I don't want anything to do with it. No, just I booked a conflict. Even if it's a lie. Yeah. You know, because booking a conflict, we totally get that. Totally understand that. Passing is like, uh, oh, mm-hmm. really? Again, you're passing on the casting director's project, too. Maybe the casting director is very passionate about this project, and you're passing on his or her project. It's like, ow. Or passing on material is the one thing that, oh, man, I don't think you should ever say that, you know, because who knows what else this person is going to be writing, and, you know, and... If we're doing it, we're probably thinking pretty good about it, pretty well about it, rather. And you know, and, and then you said it sucks. It's, I don't think it's a good move. Hmm. What would you suggest instead if it was uh, the first audition? I mean, if you didn't want to go to the first one, yeah. Oh, uh, I think your agent or manager can just say it's not available. Simple as that. Yeah. It depends. Okay. Uh, what's the relationship that I have with that person? You and I, you know, yeah. your manager and I have a great relationship. Okay, yeah. so you know, Sandy will tell me, you know, <laughs> she'll, Sandy pulls no punches, you know, <laughs> no. and uh, you know, um, and I pull no punches with Sandy. So you know, we'll be very straight with each other. Depends um, on the relationship, I think, but I think that's going to be true across the board. You know, an actor telling me on the sly, I just don't like it. I'm okay with that. You know, if I know the actor, but I think just be careful in a situation where yeah. you don't know anybody and you're, yeah. You, you know, you never want to come off as, like, a diva. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think you talked about that in the... Now that I'm thinking back, I think you may have talked about that in the class at UCLA in terms of, like, not going to the callback. If you know you're not going to accept the role, why are you wasting oh, everybody's time? That makes me craziest of all. Why did... What were you hoping to get? If you went to a callback and then you turn it down... What, what was that about? Yeah. Why are you here? Why did you do that? Why, yeah. You know, and then... And then people like fall in love with you, and then they can't have you. It's like what? Uh, <laughs> what? What are you doing? Are you just teasing us? <laughs> yeah. You know. And yeah. that's when you really—that's when you burn bridges in a big way. Yeah. In a big way. It's different. Okay. Uh, I, somebody just asked me this like uh, last week. It, it's different if, um, if you're up for something. We're, we're assuming you're auditioning for other things. We're not stupid. Okay. If your agent or your manager says to us, "By the way, he's down to the wire." on this other job too so when you come to the callback we know that it's fine yeah it's totally fine you know and then I could say to my clients look if you want him you better book him right away you know or at least make the offer right away so that he knows that other project he's at least got this one and then he can make a decision about what job he'd rather do Mm -hmm. you know so um, I yeah it's about being a good business person yeah you're running a business this is, I'm running a small business, you're running a small business. Yeah. You are the head of that business, you're also the commodity of that business. So you have to understand that you have to run a good business so that my business is interested in doing business with your business. You know, and that's, there's a lot that goes along with that, you know, making sure your, your product is up to date, your product is uh, available, your product is easy to find, uh, your product feels professional, uh, you know, so that I, who am the buyer, am interested in, yeah, yeah. let's do business. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I feel like going back to what you were saying about schools and not having that kind of, you know, not having the business side of, of things, the transitionary yeah. type of classes, like you're, you're yeah. teaching, like I'm teaching yeah. at UCLA. I, I, I feel like what ends up happening is people just learn through the school of hard knocks yeah. or don't. Um, and there's a lot of fumbling along the way, and hopefully they're not burning bridges in that fumbling yeah. by you know um, putting their foot in their mouth or doing something that might you know like you said offend somebody who's working on uh, yeah. you know many 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 projects down the line. Um, I mean, like certain things t- make sense, you know. I mean, like I understand, like um, first of all, we're going to cut you some slack if you're brand new. I mean, that's that's kind of a given. Um, and, you know, certain turndowns are okay. I mean, here I, I want to make sure I'm clear about that because I started thinking, all right, so you audition for a lead in, in a show, okay? And then you get called back for the lead, okay? And then they offer you chorus or they offer you an understudy, okay? And you want to turn that down? I, okay. I, I, I'm not sure it's a smart move, but at least then we get it, okay? We understand, okay? But again, if you audition for a lead but called back for the lead and got the lead, <laughs> then turned it down? Yeah. That's incredibly stupid. So incredibly <laughs> stupid. So, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of things that um, you know. I always, I always say when I'm teaching, I, I will share my personal fuck ups so that you don't do them. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I think back to the things that I did, and you know, some of it is you just kind of you listen and you absorb some of it. And I know people who are listening to me right now are going to absorb some of it, and that's okay. And then some of it later, when you actually make that mistake, you go, oh, yeah, they did say don't do that, didn't they? You know? <laughs> yeah. And until you do it yourself, you don't really get it. Yeah. We're like these flaky, creative types. We're all that, you know? And we don't think about, oh, I don't really want to think about the business side, but I think the ones that do are the ones that are often bookers, you mm-hmm. know? They kind of get it. Yeah. You know, they understand I have something that I do well that I would like to show you that I do well okay and and they also understand when what they have to offer maybe is not the skill set that is appropriate for whatever yeah we're casting so. yeah uh, Trevor was he's mentioned this a couple times on the podcast talking about when you're watching you know prime time some prime time procedural or something and you're like thinking about like the guy or girl in the main cast and you're like they're not a very good actor mm-hmm. and then so how does that happen how do they you know they're they're good they're they're they fill that part serviceable like, they're serviceable, serviceable. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how did that happen and it and you know we just come back to they they must be great business people mm-hmm. they must get it on that business level and be able to execute well yeah. And make it happen. And sometimes, you know, it depends on the role, too. Sometimes you want somebody who's not going to, uh, you know, steal focus, not going to be the star of the scene. You know, you want that, you know, technician or whatever that can just rattle off those things and mm. make it believable. Or, or a lot of times in those procedure shows, they want somebody who really does do that. So they have that, you know, expert on the set, mm. too. They really do have the experience. They do know what they're saying, not mm-hmm. just, you know, reciting words. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, that whole thing is interesting, too. An actor friend of mine was telling me the story about how he got this great part on some sitcom. I don't remember what it was now. And, and at the table read, when he said his line, they got huge laughter, like huge laughter from the crew and everything else. And by the time they got the taping, that line went to the star. Son of a bitch. Sure. Because we oh, can't have man. the guy who's doing the one shot, you know, pulling all the focus and getting <sighs> the big laughs. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. I think, but you know what? Look, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of up and downs, I think, as as a as an actor, and you have to kind of ride that. You have to understand that that's a part of what you, well, part of what the experience is, and how you handle a negative situation is very telling uh, to the people in the industry as to whether they want to work with you again or not. Mm. Yeah, I think in an audition, a mistake is a gift. What happens when you make a mistake or when a mistake happens, how you handle it. You can turn that into something amazing. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, 
Or you can turn it into where you have a moment where you're a diva. And it's like, ooh, this is what you're going to be like when sound screws up or they didn't get the shot or whatever. Or, you know, the door doesn't open on a set on stage. It's like, guess what? Door didn't open. Deal with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, you know, so. Yeah. Um, we always end every interview with the same two questions. Okay. Not like inside the actor's studio. Oh, cool. I don't get to say my... Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? Right, exactly. um, I don't know my favorite curse word. <laughs> motherfucker? Probably motherfucker. Okay. Motherfucker. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> um, I think you already answered the first one, actually, when we first sat down. But do you feel like this um, industry, this career path chose you or you chose it? Probably a combination of both things. I think that I knew that I was going to be a part of this industry and there was at one point where I said um, okay every penny that I make is going to come from this industry and that meant that I had to quit my really good job as a waiter that I had at that point and uh, and figure that out and that was the commitment that I made and that led me into casting but I think it was because of that determination that I was going to make it in this industry I wasn't sure I didn't know it would take me into casting but yeah but I think so a little bit of both and the second question is if you could take all of your experience um, and this would be great because you know the teaching that you do and being that you've been in multiple you know acting directing casting directing um, if you could take all of your experience and knowledge and wisdom and boil it down into one nugget of advice what would that one nugget be um hmm be grateful that you get to do what you love to do there are too many people in this world who are doing things that they hate and we get to do what we love to do can't guarantee it's going to happen forever. Can't guarantee you know you're ever going to make any money at it. But hey, you know you had the balls, the guts to try to do this. Most people don't have that courage. That's awesome. That is beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to take that with me. Please do all day, all week. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you for asking for me to do this, man. I love you, man. Finally so, coming so on the show. So happy to be here. It's, it's, uh, I'm so happy for your success and all the stuff that's happening for you. And it's, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. So this, I'm very grateful to you. All right, guys. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part two of AJ's chat with prolific L.A. theater casting director, Michael Donovan. Uh, so what's your pick of the week? Actually, I know your pick of the week. I binge-watched the shit out of this uh, last week, and oh, it was pretty cool. Oh, how have you not been talking about it? You know, I, I didn't... I don't understand. Like, well, it's be- I, I because really I didn't love it. You didn't love it? I didn't oh, love it. Oh, my God. I, I enjoyed ho- that's it. That's hilarious. I enjoyed that it, is, but it, it wasn't pick of the week worthy <clears throat> for me. That is hilarious. That is so funny, because I was for, sh- I was for sure thinking that, like, he, he hasn't been talking about this, and it's Britt Marling, who, you know, I know you, and I know you're all about her. I was like, why hasn't he talked about this on a podcast? You didn't love it. I'm so, yeah, what? I know. <clears throat> the first, okay, here's the thing about, oh, by the way, it's The OA. Yeah, yeah Netflix We hadn't series. even said the title yet. Netflix, uh, Netflix, you can binge watch it. The first hour of the first episode, I was bored to tears. I was like, this thing is Britt Marling all over me. It's so indie. The shots are long. I hate everybody. The characters are not interesting. Uh, the dialogue is slow. And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't think I'm going to make it through this. But I wanted to give it the first episode, give it a chance. And when that moment hits, and I know you know what I'm talking about. There's like a drone shot. Mm-hmm. There's this moment where it takes a completely like bizarro turn. And I was hooked. I was like, whoa, what the? It just became a completely different show yeah. from that point forward. Yeah. Um, and I really i am enjoying it. I, I got to admit, I haven't finished it yet. And maybe there's something about the ending that you didn't like. But I'm enjoying the like, I have no idea what the hell this is aspect of hmm. it. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, there's some beautiful imagery and it's very well done. 
But the story never grabbed me. I only finished it because I had started it and because it was Britt Marling and because it was very well done. But but nothing about it hooked me in. I just finished it out of a sort of sense of duty. Uh, and I didn't hate it. I didn't like think I was I was even like angry about watching it. I was just like, OK, it was it just felt kind of forgettable to me. I mean, there's some neat images and some neat concepts. But all in all, I, I enjoyed like Breaking Bad, for instance, about a thousand times more. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. All righty. That's just cool. me, though. Well, I, I really hope I didn't, like, taint your experience of watching the rest of it now. <laughs> We'd be like, now I hate it because Trevor doesn't like it. Well, I no, don't know. Uh, Sometimes, like, you, people say stuff about things and, it, and you watch it sort of with that in the back of your head and, and you start judging everything through that person's personality as you understand it. And I hate when that happens to me. So <laughs> if I just did that to you, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. What's that show? Uh, Adam ruins everything. Trevor ruins everything. Um, <clears throat> no, you didn't. You didn't ruin it. Um, I'm not. I'm just not going to watch it anymore. That's fine. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> what's what's your pick of the week? Oh, I can't wait to ruin this. Uh, my pick of the week is an app. It came out very recently. It's called Zero, and uh, in classic Trevor fashion, it's a it's a health based app. It's it's for intermittent fasting. There's a lot of we talked a little bit about this in the in the yearly review episode that uh, I really felt good about handling intermittent fasting like it just became a, it's become a part of my life and there's lots of different ways to do it I was and still am to, to a large degree doing the 20 to 24 hour fast once or twice a week but some people do 16 hours of fasting with eight hours of eating some people do four and 20. Some people do, uh, you know, only eating after sunset. Some people do every other day. You eat 25% of your calories. So, like, lots and lots of ways to do it. But the, the overriding theme is calorie restriction. Going a s- predefined amount of time that is slightly longer than you may be comfortable with. So, you put your body into a little bit of sort of healthy stress uh, without eating. So, you you fast for uh, a while and, and, and there's lots of health benefits associated with this, at least in animal studies so far. And in this app zero, uh, there's a link on our website to it. It's only for iOS, I believe right now. So only for iPhones and iPads and things like that. But in this app, there are links to videos, long videos that are like an hour and a half, uh, interviews with doctors that have done extensive research in this kind of thing. And they're finding all sorts of health benefits when it comes to, uh, resilience of the immune system and, uh, you know, treating Alzheimer's and heart disease and all these things like for the longest time, the medical establishment has been telling us that we need to be eating more to fix health problems, especially weight loss, which is always sort of interesting to me. It's like, what should I eat to lose weight? It's like, what shouldn't you be eating <laughs> to lose weight? <laughs> I think is a better question. <laughs> but the implications for your sort of larger uh, aging and, you know, resilience to diseases and things like that is, is what's really, really fascinating. It's a really cool app. And uh, it's sort of the, the default mode is to stop eating after sunset, to start your fast as close to sunset as possible, and then go for 13 hours at the very least. And there's a way to track that in the app. And there's all sorts of data and you can export it and analyze it. It's very simple. But I've found that it's been a great way to keep me from cheating a little bit here and there. Like I'm hungry. It's 930 at night. I'll just have a, you know, uh, I'll just have a little something, something or whatever. And Nope, the app is tracking, Trevor, that you are not eating right now. You're going to cheat on the app? So. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to cheat on the app? And I will say this. If if you're listening to this and you're saying like, oh, God, here goes Trevor again with like, now he doesn't want me to eat. Like, first, I can't (laughs) eat any animals. And now he doesn't want me to eat at all during the... I would say uh, there's a link on our website also to a great BBC documentary. It's on YouTube. It's called Eat Fast and Live Longer. I know you've watched it, AJ. Yes. Really compelling stuff uh, as far as the science coming out around um, controlled short periods of fasting and just what your body ex- like goes through and how it cleans itself out and heals itself and develops all sorts of wonderful like anti-aging things. And it's not about being against getting older it's about living your best life possible in the here and now and and fasting is a great way to do that and just build up mental toughness and not just be an i want it now mommy type of person with everything (laughs) 
Because, uh, you know, a lot of, Can you tell me how you really feel, Trevor? Like, well, I mean... You I, don't need to mince words. Let's be honest. That's a big problem in our society. Immediate gratification is a big problem. And if you can handle it at the most fundamental level, which is with your primal urges around food and sex and sleep and things like that, if you can get that aspect handled, you can, you're bulletproof in your mind. You can do anything in life. You know, it's like running and reading that Will Smith video. It's like, these are the keys to life. I think another key to life is learning to control your uh, societally conditioned impulses around, you know, easing discomfort at the slightest hint of discomfort. Mm. You know what I mean? Nailed it. All right. That's I'm glad that I got exact, there. That, that, that sentiment is exactly what I've been talking about with Dark Nights of the Soul, right? Where, where obstacles to, ha- you know, Life is not just a bunch of obstacles to happiness. Yeah, like yeah. They are their own experiences. Yes, yes, amen. <clears throat> Everything is practice. All life is practice. All right, so uh, that's Zero, an app uh, that will support you in intermittent fasting. And the OA, uh, which is now a contentious... We're going to have people... Like, it's going to become a whole episode where people are writing in, like, I loved it and here's why, and I hated it and here's why. And we'll have, like, listeners fighting to the death with toothpicks um i don't know why i said that uh all right we should get out of here all right Uh, let's do it (laughs) today's episode of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by me trevor algott and aj meyer jen levin is our production coordinator gadella gubrek is our marketing and web director deborah smith is our community manager and fern Lim designed our logo you can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and which is uh, currently upgraded currently upgraded if you're not subscribed if you are subscribed, you, you've noticed the upgrade. If you have not yet to describe, subscribe, when you do subscribe, it will be upgraded. Ah, there it is. I finally got it out. Um, and you can, of course, listen to all of our episodes at InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you do nothing else, a favorable review on iTunes goes a long, long way. It's kind of like putting a, a little tip in our tip jar on top of the piano because it helps other people discover the show. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. And a special thanks to you guys, our listeners. You make this show happen. Your kind words, your public tweets, your reviews, your financial contributions all make this thing happen every week. We could not do it. We could not and would not be doing it without you. So if you'd like to contribute, you can do so in many, many ways. A favorable review on iTunes would be a wonderful free way to support it. Uh, subscribing to our newsletter obviously helps. Uh, retweeting us on, on Twitter and Instagram and all that fun stuff. You can make a one-time tax-deductible, no-strings-attached uh, contribution to support the show via PayPal, Square, or Venmo at insideacting.net slash contribute. Or you can sign up for a recurring contribution at $7 per month and then get access to our private member message board Uh, exclusive events, fun freebies, special bonus content, and a whole lot more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab to do that. That is it for episode 263 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, learn control. 